Maggie, I know you just organized those, but I'm going to unorganize them real quick. I'll put that one back on top, though, I promise. Good morning, everybody. How are y'all? Good. Just uh, a couple of things this morning before we get started. Um, I just want you guys to, I, I always point this stuff out because it, it's, it's just the Lord's work. Um, I want to I I read these lyrics to you that we just sang. I got to find the right song. What was that last song we just did, Kobe? The last one we just did. Yeah, I'm looking for that, and Maggie must have taken them with them. She's sabotaging me again. It wasn't in the list. I was put the last the the last thing. Anna, put the last the last slide up there. Nope, one before that, second to last. That one right there. That's the sermon for today. Okay, and I pointed that was ad lib, Kobe. You just threw that in there at the end? Okay, look, that's the Holy Spirit. So just sit up in your spirits this morning. The Lord's got a word for us. I'm excited about it. Um, I do want to do this before we, before we dive in today. Um, we have a couple of new visitors with us this morning. I'm glad that you guys are here. But I, I need to give you some, some background behind what we're going to talk about today. Otherwise, it's not going to make um, necessarily a whole lot of sense to you. We've spent the last year um, studying the book of Ecclesiastes, which is um, not a book that you would typically turn to, uh, to study for, for nearly a year. And our purpose behind that, when God began to speak this to me at the end of last year, um, I really struggled with why, are we, why is God going to have us go through this book? Um, and, and the tagline that he gave me for this, our focus for this whole year has been God's love in a broken world. Little did we know that 2020 was going to be as broken as it is, right? We've talked about that a lot as a church. And so today we're going to focus a lot on what that means for us, how we're to, to live as God's love in a broken world. What does that look for us? And that, that idea hinges on a passage out of Colossians chapter 3 where it says, Christ in us is the hope of glory. And so God's plan to reveal himself to the world is the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us as believers. That overflow of what we're experiencing in him is how the world receives and understands the person of Christ. So that's, that's been our focus for this whole year. Um, we are quickly closing in on the end of this study. I don't know how many weeks we have left. I thought I had an idea, but then this week as I was preparing, I prepared to begin in chapter 11, which is where we, we left off at the end of chapter 10. But in doing so, um, particularly yesterday morning, um, the Lord put the brakes on it. We're not going to start chapter 11 today. We're going to look at some other things because the Lord has a word for us today before we move forward. The, the title of today's message um, is Investing in Life. Uh, that's going to also be the title of next week's message because that's what the text deals with. But before we get there, we need to, to just hit the brakes for just a minute and just do a heart check. I feel like that's where the Lord has us this morning, okay? So, um, I do want you to understand that as we move into these last two chapters of Ecclesiastes, there's going to be a, another shift in the way that the author is communicating. He's kind of wrapping up his thoughts that he's been, been sharing with us uh, this whole study. And, and just for more background, a lot of the book revolves around this word hevel. And you see in most translations that's translated as vanity. Um, but when we look at that word, what we see is a lot of different things. Some of it is breath. Some of it is uh, the temporariness of life. It's the upside downness of life. The things that we should expect by the way that we live is not always what we get. Um, and it's important for us to understand that as we look at what the Lord has for us today. Okay, Again, it's, it's timely and by His design that we've spent 
a whole year in disruption in order to understand what it looks like to be God's love in a broken world because it's easy for us to say things like that when life is going easy, right? It's easy to say, yes, I'm going to be God's love in this world when life looks the way it's supposed to look. But when the world is flipped upside down and you can't have the relations that you typically have, you can't hug people the way that you want to, uh, all those types of things, it's just, it's difficult, right? It's hard for us to love the way that we have done in the past and I think that's been good for us. Um, and we've, we've seen this almost from the beginning of the study, okay? We didn't see coming in at the start of this that God was also going to prepare us to begin to send people out to plant a new church in Colleen. And we're going to talk about that some more today because it's, it's very applicable to where the Lord has us, okay? If you haven't already, I'd ask you that, that you would take these messages that we've been hearing for a whole year on how we're to live and how, to, how we are to love and, and do that in daily life. If you haven't taken those things to heart, we need to do that. God's being very pointed with our messages so that he can work in you the changes that need to happen. God wants to work in me the changes that need to happen so that I can be God's love in a broken world. Because our nature, when we're born, our nature is not God's love. Our nature is the opposite of that. But it's through the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we become transformed. Okay? So, I can't wait to, to see and experience what God has for store in us here at TGP West and also at our new church plant. Um, this week, I don't know if any of you guys tuned in or, or went to the, um, to the revival that Glenn led at First Baptist in Dropwrong, but it was so exciting to just to feel, and even from Facebook, that's where I, I participated, you could feel the, the growth happening in the room from the worship to, to Glenn's message to the church. And he's, he may share some things with us this evening or this afternoon at the end of this to help us understand that a little bit better. But look, last week we talked about the fact that God is working in our lives, has given us voice with the people that we do life with, Right? It's not because we're great people. It's not because people can look up to me and say, wow, look at Will, he's such an awesome person. Or whoever, you can put yourself in that scenario. It's not because we're good people. It's not because we have great hearts that people are listening to what we have to say. It's because they're seeing God's work in our lives. And they're saying there's something different about this person. I don't know what it is, but I want some of that. That, that fact is giving us um, influence around people. A great example of that was David and Leah, well really Leah shared her testimony this week at First Baptist and Dropwrong. As you guys know that are members here, David and Leah have not been with our church very long, right? And so the authority in which they spoke was not because they're upstanding, you know, lifelong members of our church, right? The authority in which they spoke is that they have some real life experiences. God has changed their life through understanding his, his mercy and His grace, but, but specifically about abiding, right? And you're going to hear me say that a, a lot today. So if you're new here today, I want you to know that that abiding cycle that we talk about comes out of John chapter 15, and we can have some conversations later about that. But when David and Leah shared what God has been doing in their lives over the last year or so, um, they, they came with authority. And the only qualification that they had was their experiences. And I can tell you, just from watching on Facebook, that people's lives were changed, right? By the fact that you guys were willing to share the struggles of your life and say, look, life does not always work out the way we want. Or I thought I was doing all of the right things, but I, I was never satisfied. And it's because we're trying to do those things in our own power. And the reason we're going to go the direction we're going today is because my fear is that if we are not daily making a point to be before the Lord that we're going to try to do a work out of our own power. 
And then we're just replicating more of what the world already has and does not need, which is just worldliness. And so before we talk about investing in life, the, the chapter 11, when we get there next week, we're going to see that that investing in life is, is about investing in other people's lives. But if our hearts are not in the right place before we get there, we're going to use that text to justify investing in our own life for our own purposes. And so I felt the Lord pumping the brakes today to make sure that we are all in the same place before we move forward with the work that he has for us. Our obedience to what God is speaking is going to open up opportunities all around us to bring freedom into people's lives. But that only happens as we are abiding. I'm saying all of this because I want us to remember that, that as we look at this text next week, we talk about investing in lives that we're not investing in our lives. I'm repeating myself and I know that because it's so important that you hear what the Lord is saying today. Okay? My intention today, as I said already, was to continue, but we're not going to do that. Um, we're going we're gonna to look at some things that the Lord spoke uh, over this week and this weekend, okay? And, and I'll tell you, this does not happen often. Typically, when the Lord has us in a study, I think it happened once last year in the, in the study of Exodus, where I've moved forward in the text thinking that that was where I was supposed to go. That's the natural way you move through a text is chapter after chapter. But the Lord was very clear yesterday morning. Okay, and I'm going to just be honest with you. I took a lot of time to pray and read and discern what the Lord was saying because for me to stop in the middle of a study um, is not in my nature. That's not how I like to do things, right? I'm very organized. We move from A to B. That's how stuff works. But I want you to hear what the Lord has to say today, okay? This is not a new message, the one that we're about to hear, but it's one that we've heard all year. But until we make a decision to live in full obedience, we cannot be God's love in a broken world. It won't work. It's not possible. So point number one I want to make today, and then we're going to get into some text, is our will must be aligned with the will of the Father. Our will must be aligned with the will of the Father. Now listen, we've talked about that before, right? And we've talked about how that process works. But I want you to see, and this was in, I believe, Tozer yesterday. He says that if there is any desire in us that is outside the will of God, we must dismiss it immediately. When I read that line in my devotional time yesterday morning, immediately the Lord got my attention. If there's anything, any desire in us that's outside the will of God, we must dismiss it immediately. We cannot say that we desire to know God and then ignore or don't put forth the effort to, to spend time with Him. If we're pursuing what we want, we are not pursuing the Lord. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 is going to talk about investing in life. But if we're still focused on what we want, we're going to use that passage to justify getting what we want in our life. In my quiet time yesterday, I read the chapter of Ezekiel chapter 24. Now, I didn't just turn to Ezekiel. This is in my daily reading, Okay. Opened it up, Ezekiel chapter 24. We're going to read uh, a good portion of that chapter today because I want you to see what God's telling Israel. He's speaking through the prophet Ezekiel because he wants to do a work in them. But their disobedience is preventing that work. And we, we have seen that over and over and over, especially last year as we studied the book of Exodus. That over and over and over again, God says, if you will do this, if you will, if you will obey me, I will do this work in your life. Over and over and over we see Israel failing to do so. Look at this with me, Ezekiel chapter 24. We're going to start with verse 2, and we're going to go through verse 5 right now. It says, Son of man, write down today's date, this very day. The king of Babylon has laid siege to Jerusalem this very day. 
Now speak a parable to the rebellious house. Tell them, this is what the Lord God says. Put the pot on the fire. Put it on and then pour water into it. Place the pieces of meat in it, every good piece, thigh and shoulder. Fill it with choice bones. Take the choicest of the flock and also pile up the fuel under it. Bring it to a boil and cook the bones in it. Okay, if you weren't hungry yet, maybe you are now. Get those belly juices working. If, I want you to think about what God's saying, okay? He's describing a stew, all right? We're in Louisiana, and we know how to stew stuff, right? Take a piece of meat that's not necessarily great, and you cook it a long time. I heard Glenn say he cooked a roast today. Lunch is at his house, okay? We know how to do that, right? But when you get a really good piece of meat, and it says to put the bones in there, anybody know what the bones add to it? If you don't, I'm embarrassed for you. All the, man, if you want to get a good gravy going, you get some bones in there, right? All that marrow is going to thicken it up and it's going to give it this rich flavor, okay? God's using this illustration to communicate to Israel and also to us the kind of work that he wants to do in people's lives. God doesn't want to throw the scraps in a pot and boil it in some water and call it good. God wants to take the best He wants to take the very best ingredients, the richest ingredients, and put that in a pot and simmer it and make a gravy. You put it over some rice. I hope you're hungry. If you're not, you'll get there. Okay, listen. Hear this, okay? God wants to use us to bring richness into other people's lives. In this story, we're not the meat. We're not the bones. We're the pot, okay? Last week when I talked about us being leaders, it's because we know God in a way that most people don't. We have learned through the process of abiding how to hear God's voice, how to have God speak directly into the situations of our lives and to to gain wisdom and experiences and understand and know the character of God and how much He loves us and how much He loves people, right? We know that stuff and God wants to use that not just for us, not for my own benefit and your own benefit, but to benefit the lives of others. It's not just about us. That's not why God created us. He didn't create us to worry only about ourselves and we know this. We know the richness, but my fear is that we're still stuck in thinking about ourselves only. Look at me with what God continues to say to Israel through the prophet Ezekiel. We're going to pick up in verse 6. It says, therefore, this is what the Lord God says. Woe to the city of bloodshed, the pot that is corrosion inside of it, and its corrosion has not come out of it. Empty it piece by piece. Lots should not be cast for its contents. Let me just pause and break that down for you. If you've ever cooked with cast iron, you know this process, right? If you don't treat it right, it begins to corrode on the inside. And if you try to cook with that corrosion in there, it's not fit to eat. But if you treat that pot well, and you, you do the things, if you wash it correctly, and you, you oil it, and you get that, that good layer on top of there on, that makes it almost nonstick. You guys know what I'm talking about? Anybody? Yes? No? Saley says yes. My, my kids know. Their daddy's obsessed with cast iron. He's saying the pot in this scenario has corrosion in it. And if you begin to cook in that pot, you might as well throw the food away. Don't cast lots for it. It's not any good. He goes on to say in verse 7, For the blood she shed is still within her. She put it out on the bare rock. She didn't pour it on the ground to cover it with dust. In order to stir up wrath and take vengeance, I have put her blood on the bare rock so that it would not be covered. Therefore, this is what the Lord God says, Woe to the city of bloodshed. I myself 
will make the pile of kindling large. Pile on the logs and kindle the fire. Cook the meat well and mix it with spices. Let the bones be burned. Set the empty pot on its coals so that it becomes hot and its copper glows. Then its impurity will melt inside of it. Its corrosion will be consumed. It has frustrated every effort. Its thick corrosion will not come off. In the, into the fire with its corrosion. Because of the depravity of your uncleanliness, since I tried to purify you, but you would not be purified from your unclean, unclean, excuse me, uncleanliness. You will not be pure again until I have satisfied my wrath on you. I, the Lord, have spoken. It is coming and I will do it. I will not refrain. I will not show pity and I will not relent. I will judge you according to your ways and your deeds. This is the declaration of the Lord your God. Listen, God does not play when it comes to sin and disobedience. These are strong words that he's saying to Israel. The sin and disobedience in their lives were turning what was this supposed to be this amazing meal in this illustration. And it's turning it into something that's not worthy of eating. Something you would just throw away. And listen church, hear me on this. If we choose to continue to live for ourselves, we are doing the same thing that the corrosion in this pot is doing. We are taking something that God has meant to bring richness into people's lives and we're throwing it in the dirt. We know full well how to walk with God and the benefits that come with that, yet we choose to live for ourselves. And we are destroying the richness that God is trying to bring into the world. We're adding corrosion to the pot and the only way to fix that problem is to remove the ruined food and to heat the pot until the corrosion is burned away. I want you to remember, we are living after the cross, right? They did not have the benefit of Christ and His grace and His mercy that He brings to His people. And we do. But that by no means gives us the right to live however we want to live. Just because we can lean into God's grace and His mercy doesn't mean that we can just take advantage of it. That's not why God has created us. That's not why He has shared Himself with us. Our situation is not hopeless like Israel's was. God wants to use us. But if we refuse to obey what God is saying, we're going to lose the very thing that we love so much. Look at me. He goes on to, in verse 15 and 24, and then we're going to break it down a little bit. He says, Then this message came to me from the Lord. Son of man, with one blow I will take away your dearest treasure. Yet you must not show any sorrow at her death. Do not weep, let there be no tears. Groan silently, but let there be no wailing at her grave. Do not uncover your head or take off your sandals. Do not perform the usual rites of mourning or accept any food brought to you by consoling friends. So I proclaimed this to the people the next morning. And in the evening my wife died. The next morning I did everything I'd been told to do. Then the people asked, what does all this mean? What are you trying to tell us? So I said to them, a message came from the Lord, and I was told to give this message to the people of Israel. This is what the sovereign Lord says, I will defile my temple, the source of your security and pride, the place your heart delights in. Your sons and daughters whom you left behind in Judah will be slaughtered by the sword. Then you will do as Ezekiel has done. You will not mourn in public or console yourselves by eating the food brought by friends. 
Your heads will remain covered and your sandals will not be taken off. You will not mourn or weep, but you will waste away because of your sins. You will groan among yourselves for all the evil you have done. Ezekiel is an example for you. You will do just as he has done. And when that time comes, you will know that I am the sovereign Lord. Point number two I want to make today is that if we choose to follow our own desires, we will lose all that we have gained. We have spent a lot of time as a church distinguishing the difference between dead religion and an active relationship, an abiding relationship with the Lord. And church, if, if we forget or we choose to stop abiding, we are turning what God has done into more dead religion. We are where we are with the Lord because of obedience. Have you thought about that before? What I'm communicating today is not a theology of God's discipline as much as a realization of what happens when we stop obeying. We are who we are and we know what we know of God because we choose to abide. And if we stop abiding, we're going to lose that. It's only through abiding that we continue to grow in our relationship with God. Look, we talk about this relationship with God and we use that word because it's the right one, but the same logic applies to people in our lives. You may have someone that you were great friends with high school and you moved off and you went to college and you never spoken to them again and that relationship is not the same as it used to be because the time has not been invested. And sometimes that happens and it's okay, but that's not okay with the Lord. We are who we are and we know what we know because we abide. And anytime we choose to stop abiding, we're going to lose some of that relationship. Israel over and over again would have these incredible experiences with God and then turn their backs on God and go after whatever they wanted instead. God would part the Red Sea and they'd all walk through it and they'd see their enemies killed under the Red Sea and then just a few days they're like, God, you're starving us to death. We don't have anything to drink. Y'all, we do the same thing in our lives. We, We see the work of the Lord and we're amazed by it. And then when just within a few days, because we're not morning by morning making a conscious decision to give that day to the Lord and to abide in Him, we begin to move away from the Lord. And it's not long at all before we look back and go, God, where are you? And God's saying, I'm right here. Where are you? Your knowledge and experience with God are a direct result of your obedience. And when you make the decision to stop abiding, you are forfeiting what you've already gained. Listen, every day, when you wake up, you have to make a decision. Today, am I going to abide in the Lord? Am I going to spend time with God? Am I going to allow Him to be involved in my day? You make that decision every day. We all know that, that the abiding process is not an instant process. But one act of disobedience leads to another and leads to another and very quickly begins to snowball. Pause. Does anybody know what that phrase means? It, it, you snowball? I know we're in Louisiana. Yeah, it gets bigger and bigger. If you've ever been in real snow, you can start with a small ball, set it on the ground, and roll it. And as you roll it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Sorry, I needed to stop there because I said it. And then last week I said something like, y'all all know this? And everybody's like, no, we don't know that. One sin leads to another, which leads to another, which leads to another. It's why it's so important for us to daily to get before the Lord and spend time with Him and let Him address that sin in our lives. We are not a perfect people. We are a broken people 
who are in love with a God who heals and restores. That's the God that the people around us also need to know. But every time we make seemingly small choices to exclude God, we're giving up a bit of what we know by experience. And I want to remind you this morning that it's never too late to turn back. Whether you forgot to spend time with the Lord this morning, you chose not to, or if it's been a week, or if it's been a month, or if it's been a year, it's never too late to go back to the Lord. The process can start again. Will it be just like it was when you left off? Maybe not. Maybe it will. But God wants you to grow in your knowledge of Him. He wants you to grow through experience. This was also in my quiet time yesterday. It's 1 John 3, um, chapter 3, verses 4 through 10. It says, Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawless, lawlessness. You know that He appeared in order to take away our sins, and in Him there is no sin. No one who abides in Him keeps on sinning. No one, he, no one who keeps on sinning has either seen Him or known Him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. There's a couple of things I want to point out from this passage. First of all, if we are living in sin, we are not abiding. That's pretty straightforward. If we are choosing to live in sin, we are not abiding. Deliberate sin in an abiding relationship cannot coexist at the same time. It's not possible. It is not possible to ask the Lord to be in control in your life and then choose to sin over and over and over again. It doesn't matter if we say we're abiding. John is telling us that if we are choosing to live in sin, we are not abiding. Second, God's children abide in Him and cannot keep on sinning. Listen, we can't lose our salvation, but we can certainly walk away from God. We see it happen all the time. People that, that we know and love will know the Lord through salvation and know how to abide in Him, but for various reasons, they choose to just walk away from it all. And don't exclude yourself from say that and say, I would never do that. Because if you're not daily abiding in the Lord, it could happen to you too. Now listen, they can repent and the Lord will welcome them home with open arms. God will run to you just like the father ran towards the prodigal son and say, welcome home. Third thing is that it's only through an abiding relationship that we can be made like Christ and love as Christ loved. It's only through an abiding relationship. Listen, I want you to hear me on this. It is impossible, impossible to be God's love in a broken world if we are not abiding daily with the Lord. I cannot bring into the world what I, I do not possess. Right? Not to say that if I miss one day that God's love is no longer in me. But think of what I'm missing and what people are missing if I'm not daily getting a word from the Lord. Listen, for me to sit down in my office yesterday morning... And to open up the word and say, God, what do you have for me? What do you have for the church today? And for him to pour all of this out. 
to line all this up, to confirm it through the songs this morning, to confirm it through one of our other pastors. Church, God wants to do that for all of us every day. And all we have to do is put forth the effort to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to spend some time with the Lord. We know this, we've talked about it so many times, but it, it is only through connection to the vine that any fruit is ever produced. That is basic to who we are. We understand that. If we're not connected to the vine, what's happening in our life, what is happening in our life is not fruit. We can call it fruit all we want to, but that's not what it is. We can spend a year talking about being God's love in a broken world, but until we learn to make a daily decision to abide, we will never be that. We spent all of 2019 talking about joining God to set people free. But are we doing that? Because if we're not devoting ourselves to the Word, if we're not spending time in prayer, if we are not making a conscious decision to abide in Christ, we're not freeing people. We're not free. We only find life in Christ by dying to ourselves. And we cannot skip that part of the process. When we abide, we're dying to ourselves. We're saying, God, you are more important than I am today. And that may not sound like freedom, but once you begin to experience, you realize the freedom and comes in, in not having to feel the pressure to have to be good enough anymore. To not have to rely on your own works and hope that that's enough to get you to heaven or hope that that's enough to, to be in right standing with God. And this is what God wants to do in us. He wants us to love Him and to love the world as He loves. The last point I want to make today is that God is preparing us to bring His love into the world. I don't know if you guys remember, some of you were here, some of you were not. The table that's in the back back there, we had it with us when we were at Lee Heights, and it was covered with these rocks. I thought we still had a bucket of rocks, but I didn't see them this morning. We might have gotten rid of them. But those rocks represented something very important for us. Glenn has shared, at least with me, I don't know if he shared it with you guys before, but every time God begins speaking of a new church, he brings up the story, God brings up the story of the Israelites crossing, in, crossing the Jordan River and going into the Promised Land. Okay? Again, yesterday, in one of my daily readings, Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Hear this with me. Listen. It says, after, death, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving to the Israelites. I have given you every place where the sole of your, feet, your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river, the Euphrates River, and to the land of the Hittites, and to the west of the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or abandon you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. Above all, be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate it on, on it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. 
For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous? Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Listen, our promised land is this abiding relationship with God. What Israel was seeking was freedom. They had been enslaved for a long, long time. And God said, look, not only am I going to free you, but I'm going to give you the best land. I'm just going to give it to you. Yes, people live there, but I'm going to take care of that. Just obey me and go into the promised land. God is telling us the same thing. He's saying, look, there are people all around us and I want them to have the best and I'm going to do it through you. God has given us the experiences to allow us to trust Him as we walk in obedience wherever He brings us. Wherever we go, God is going to be with us. But church, if we're not abiding, we're not going to hear where to go. We're not going to know what to say. I've been asking you guys to pray about this call to stay here or to, to be sent to help plant this church in Colleen. Do you guys see that the last two years of messages have been in preparation for that call? Here's the question I want to leave you with today. Are you willing and ready to walk in obedience and abide daily? Because we have to start there. If we're not abiding daily, we should not be asking about anything else. If you're not abiding daily, don't bother asking about if you're supposed to be part of a church plant. Because you can't bring what you don't have. And I want you to have it. I'm not saying that to discourage you and say, don't ask. I'm saying, do what we know that we're supposed to do. We must ask God every day for the desire and the strength to abide. Right? We know this. We've, we've read this verse before. Philippians 2.13 For it is God who is working in, in you both to will and to work according to His good purpose. Listen, we can't desire this on our own. But what we can do is ask God to help us desire it. That when you wake up in the morning and you didn't sleep well or your kids kept you up all night, then in that moment you say, God, I need you to will and work in me this morning because I'm not ready. I need to hit that snooze button about 12 times before I get up. But we have to ask God for that. And He's willing to do it. It's only in our daily experience with God that we're going to ever have anything to offer the world. I'm not good enough. You're not good enough. The world needs Christ. Last probably month or so, every Sunday morning I've been sharing with you guys what the Lord's been speaking to me that day. And I'm doing that because I want to spur you on to say, look, the Lord wants to speak in your life this way too. He's not just doing that in my life. He wants to do that in your life. He wants to speak in our lives. He wants to transform us into His likeness. This was in one of my devotions this morning. Read this with me. It says, no Christian practice can take the place of experiencing God. It's in experiencing God that we begin to live in response to the unconditional, unfathomable depths of God's love. It's in experiencing God that we learn to discern and trust His perfect, pleasing will. And it is in experiencing God that our hearts are transformed into powerful reflections of His wonderful character. And the verse behind that was 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, And we all, with unveiled face, behold the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit.
Church, it's in our daily times in the Word when we're studying, when we're praying, when we're worshiping that we are made into God's likeness. We're transformed into His perfect love. In that daily transformation, we are witnessing and then can testify of the love of God. We cannot testify of what we have not witnessed, right? In the court of law, if I testify to something I have not witnessed, I am being a false witness. So we can't put on our church clothes and put in our Sunday school answers and just tell people things that we think they should hear and call that living for Christ because it's not. We're being a false witness. What we can do is spend time with the Lord and then when someone comes to us and we begin to have a conversation and the Lord prompts us to say something, we can say, hey look, this morning... The Lord addressed this, or this week I've been reading this. I'll give you an example. My mom yesterday stayed home with Lily by herself. She had um, uh, my daughter and and another cousin to help her, but she was the only adult there. And she stressed out about it all day. That's not the point of the story. The point of the story is I got up this morning, and in one of my devotions, it talked about the fact that we often have more on our plate than we can possibly handle, and we need to turn that stuff over to the Lord and let Him deal with it. And I sent that to my mom. Why? Because the Lord is speaking. But had I not gotten up this morning and spent time in the floor, if I just got up this morning and said, I'm just going to focus on this message, make sure all my grammar's perfect, get all my punctuation in there. If I'd have spent my morning doing only that, my mom would have missed out on an opportunity to hear from the Lord. Because yesterday was hard for her. But the Lord directly addressed that. And He chose to do it through me. When we spend time with the Lord, we are transformed into His perfect love. It's when we are transformed that we can begin to be God's love in a broken world. If we are not being transformed, we are not being God's love in a broken world. Are you picking up on what I'm saying? We must be transformed and it must happen daily. It's out of the overflow of your abiding relationship that the world begins to be loved. Bringing God's love into the broken world is our task, but we can only do that as we abide, as we are transformed into His likeness from one degree of glory to another. And I want to end with this verse today. This is 1 John 5.23. It says, This is how we know that we love God's children. When we love God and obey His commands, for this is what love for God is, to keep His commands. His commands are not burdensome. Let's pray together. Father, I'm so challenged today by the word that you have for us. Lord, it is, it is my desire, it's my hope and my prayer that this would be received by your people, not as um, anything other than but a loving word from you. A reminder of what we have. A reminder of the blessing that you have poured out on us by teaching us how to hear your voice. What a blessing it is for us to have a God who created everything, who is in charge of everything, that is so personal that He desires to meet with each of us on a daily basis. God, please let let us never take that for granted. Father, there are so many people in the world around us that desperately need to know Your love. And Your plan is to do that through us, is to reveal Yourself through us. So God, I ask this morning for myself and for my brothers and sisters in Christ that you would will and work in us a desire to know you. 
That it would be your strength that we draw upon to both desire to abide in you, but also to do the abiding. Father, that your spirit that lives inside of us would draw us to yourself daily. And then, Father, that out of the overflow of that incredible relationship, that the world would begin to experience how much you love them. Father, help us to not hoard that to ourselves and to keep it for ourselves, but to be willing at any moment as you call us, as you prompt us to share that love with the people that you've placed in our lives. Father, teach us to love well as you love well. Jesus, it's in your name that we ask these things.